Uh, nothing in the mailbag, Matt? <laughs> uh, nothing this week, but I'm almost willing to bet that there will be next week. <laughs> All right. Uh, if we can just uh, arrange with the postie to get the larger of his sacks ready for, um, for next week. Don't forget that if you do email us, there, there is a merch available. There is a, a bottle opener to uh, for all of your can opening needs. Even the pricks who have a crack at us. That's yeah. Good. So slag away. And thanks to Cryer Malt, local malt for local beer, this is Radio Brews News. Joining me on the internet today is the founding editor of Australian Brews News, Matt I'm So Dope, I write for Broadsheet now, Kierkegaard, and making her Radio Brews News debut. Would you please welcome Pia? I'm three hours behind, but I'm light years ahead, Poynton. Matt. <laughs> G'day, Prof. How are you? Pia, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for joining us, Pia. I should just point out, for those who don't know Pia, founder of website Girl Plus Beer, uh, you contribute to, uh, have contributed to both Crafty Pint and Froth Magazine. And I think, I don't know, it, sl- it slipped off your CV. I'm sure it's just a typo or something. But um, back in the day, <laughs> Australian Brews News. Um, <laughs> Once upon a time. <laughs> that's it. All of these people who I've discovered uh, over my career and none of them give me any credit. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure the first non-Girl Plus Beer article you write was for Brews News, Pia. I could be wrong there no i believe it was it was uh living down in the in the southwest and i remember um yeah no i i do remember <laughs> doesn't write a mention on the cv oh i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to uh, update my uh, my blog page i think <laughs> that's it um you were a uh, a finalist in the media category at the australian international beer awards this uh, last year and the year before that I guess people in WA would know you very well for the best part of the last 10 years, pouring beers as a a bartender and a manager or selling beer, repping beer. Uh, But they may not know that as of December last year, you became a certified Cicerone. Yeah, that's correct. That was, um, yeah, very, very exciting. It's uh, a bit painful waiting for the results to come back from the US via, so you have to send the test over by snail mail. But it was nice to get uh, get that Christmas present for myself. (laughs) Excellent. So not not the first uh, female to do it. We've we've, we've discovered, um, but uh, possibly the first west of the eastern seaboard. Yeah, yeah. First in WA. So yeah, thank you. There you go, uh, Matt. How's your week been, mate? It's been a busy week. Uh, more on the brew dog. It's interesting um, how much interest there has been in brew dog from more mainstream media. Um, so I, I think last week I had a bit of a rant because I'd copped a bit of flack for an ABC opinion piece. Uh, that I'd written and then had a bit of a chat on ABC Radio and this week I wrote something for Broadsheet. But, you know, it's a lot of it has been around the role of government in attracting brewers to Queensland and particularly in uh, BrewDog's case and, you know, whether or not they're supporting the, the industry and then what benefits there are in uh, breweries. So, you know, I, I think out of the gate, the takeaway from that is BrewDog is creating exactly the sort of interest um, we thought may have a positive impact on, on, on the, the brewing industry. Yeah, now people have stopped throwing rocks at your house or, you know, putting dog turds in the letterbox. Mate, it's it always... Calm, calm down a bit now. It's it's always good to know that people actually listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also caught up with the wonderful uh, Zara um, from BrewDog uh, for a beer this week. And, uh, you know, we had some fairly robust exchanges of views, but we're great mates at the end of it, um, as we were before it. So, uh, yeah, no, it's just... Uh, you know, as you and I like to say, Prof, we can hold two thoughts in our head at the same time. That's it. And drink beer at the same time. And drink beer, what's more? Hey, listen, one thing, because for those who don't know, and I'm sure Matt will um, attach a link in the show notes, but the uh, the piece you did on Broadsheet, you quoted, um, you were speaking to um, an academic of some sort. Is his name fair dinkum, Gene Tunney? It is Gene Tunney. Why is that? He's an economist. Uh, yeah, very well-known economist on this side of the, uh, well, certainly in Queensland. Okay, well, maybe maybe rhyming slang is different in, in, in Queensland, but um, yeah, when you've got to go, you've got to go. Um, oh, to the Gene Tunney. Yeah, okay, to the Gene right. Tunney, yeah. Okay. And I, I'd never actually, you know, when you see like, oh, Gordon Bennett, and then you see, you know, uh, you know, somebody's actual name is Gordon Bennett, and you go, oh, look at that. And so as soon as I saw Gene Tunney, I stopped. I What's Gordon what Bennett in rhyming slang? I just laughed. No, oh, Gordon Bennett. 
It's just, right. it's an English thing, you know. Okay. Yeah. okay. Instead of saying God, you know, instead of blaspheming. Pia, I'm so glad we've got you on because Prof and I actually do sound like uh, Statler and Waldorf. We're just two old men <laughs> rambling about. And back in my day, I, it was a fashion of the day to have an onion on our belt. Yeah, when I was we young. We have a brown onion because of the war. <laughs> and making news this week, a 300% increase in sales is no furphy. Optus Stadium Mega Pub set to open its doors on Friday. We look at the rise of mid-strength, inverted commas, craft lager. And German Olympians, won't surprise you, drink a lot of beer. What might surprise you is it's non-alcoholic. And they win a lot of gold medals. And I think since we've got Pia with us, Matt, who um, surprisingly I think may have just picked up her mobile phone and uh, swapped over uh, from the uh, Skype, which was pinging and buzzing a bit. So hopefully the sound will uh, will be great for our listeners. Uh, I thought we might do a bit of a, an around the grounds, starting with WA. Pia, thanks for joining us. Tell us what's the uh, what's the buzz over WA way? Yeah, is uh, everyone seems to have recovered from their their Christmas uh, hibernation, I suppose, and we saw a whole bunch of limited releases come out towards the end of uh, end of last year, um, and now we're kind of ramping up again and we're actually getting um in addition to everything that's going on at the stadium uh we're getting a another new brew pub as well um in burswood so it's just sort of near uh vic park sort of way for any east coasters who uh know Perth particularly well um called blaster brewing so b-l-a-s-t-a um it's uh, apparently gaelic and i believe i should probably know this a bit better um but i believe it means um you know, doing doing things well or, or, or something good, something along those lines. So um, they're going to open on the 1st of March. Um, so that's exciting to get another brew pub. And I, I think we've probably got three or four uh, coming down the pipeline in the next sort of six months. Pia, does it kind of feel, um, I mean, we, I guess we feel very in touch through social media and, and, and in our own work, you know, we're often sort of speaking to people from WA, so you don't sort of think of them as being that far away, but, you know, it's it's effectively, it's, it's almost another country. Do you guys sort of feel uh, that you're a bit disconnected from the, I guess, the, the trends and what's happening in beer over, over on the eastern seaboard, or is it, again, with social media, kind of um, a good way of connecting everyone? Yeah, look, I'm sure there's a lot of things that sort of happen east coast-wise that we're maybe not not across. And to be honest, it's kind of a I think it's a matter of there's so much going on in WA um, that it's hard to keep up with as it is. As you say, like we're we're in the industry and we're sort of actively going out and and finding out about these things. And there are still plenty of things that kind of slip through the cracks, um, at least for me anyway. So it's you know there's social media gives you I suppose the major almost the major plot points from uh, from your side of the country. Um, and then uh, we can sort of fill in the gap across other social media as well. But, yeah, there's so much happening over here that it's, um, well, not enough, but uh, plenty to keep us occupied. I was lucky enough a uh, week before last to spend four days over in Frio. And the one thing I noticed there was there's a real parochialism, there's a real loyalty to the local brands, but you you don't really have to go too far to sort of the big pubs and that sort of thing where all of a sudden it's it's either Heineken or Stella or whatever it might be. And then they might have a, you know, a small selection of um, of something local. But then you'll find, a, you know, a, I found a, a, is it What's Up Dog, I think, it a gourmet hot dog place that's got just mm-hmm. pretty much just craft beer. And, you know, Eagle Bay, um, there was some feral there, um, which was, a, again, that, that was sort of a real sort of surprise. Is it easy or is it difficult to sort of um, support your local breweries? Oh, look, I, I think it's easy. I'm obviously a little bit biased having worked for local breweries for most of my, <laughs> for most of my life. But it is, um, I think it is easy. I think it just comes down to, comes down to time and, and how much a, a publican sort of wants to do it, I guess. You know, that's, you know, it's pretty easy to default to the beers that you've always known and the beers that you've always put on tap, particularly if you've been running venues for a long time. Um, but, you know, if you're, you know, if you're clear, I guess, on what you're trying to achieve, like the What's Up Dogs uh, guys are doing, you know, these great loaded gourmet hot dogs, they're good fun and it kind of, all that branding fits in with craft beer really, really nicely. It'd actually, I think, be kind of odd if you walked in and, and got a bottle of uh, got a bottle of Stella. So um, yeah, look, I, I think it's easy to do. Um, I just think it's a matter of whether people want to do it, whether it fits in with what they're trying to do. And um, there are more great places to find craft beer in WA now. But there's, you know, still obviously going to be um, venues that open up and maybe only give one, you know, sort of guest tap over to the little guys. Um, but it's easy, and it's I think it makes sense. Especially in Frio, like Frio is just um, a precinct of good food, good booze. Oh Christ! Don't say booze. <laughs> and get out of Jade from the weedy if she's listening. <laughs> Mate, 
see that dog over there? It's sleeping quite nicely. <laughs> what did I uh, Pete's uh, alluding to the fact that you said booze, um, which you, you may, is, is one of my um, uh, safe words. It's a or, polarizing term. It's yeah, what, what, what's the opposite to a safe word? <laughs> a hot, hot button word. Or hot button hot, word, yeah. Yep. Hot button topic? Hot, hot yeah. button topic, yes. So, uh, but no, it no, sets him off. Prof, I'm, I'm, uh, this is 2018. I'm, uh, I've grown up quite a bit. That was so last year. That yeah. was no. Well, no. I, I still feel exactly the same way, but there's no point. Really. Anyway, <laughs> but Pia, I was way to hijack the conversation, Pete. I was going to say it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about WA in those terms uh, that you know starting to pick up because in, in so many ways WA and Perth um, and Fremantle are regarded as the you know homes of craft beer or the birthplace of craft beer in the country and you know going back to Salamanca and Matilda Bay which was probably the first incarnation of craft beer and then the modern incarnation of craft beer um, Little Creatures really whilst there were a couple that preceded Little Creatures really um, sparked the renewed interest and and already gave uh, impetus to the to the modern craft beer movement that we did see you know other cities um, maybe overtake Western Australia for a little while, but we are seeing WA really come screaming back. Yeah, oh look, it's um, maybe may just a little bit biased. I'm not sure if we uh, if we we went anywhere. Um, yeah, went went anywhere in that time, but I think it's just about the guys making, uh, and I mean guys as in general term, not just just men, uh, but the industry making noise Glad over that here. That was you saying that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just just wanted to put that out there. I mean, I mean that in general term, but uh. Yeah, I think it's just about making noise about what's going on over here. You know, you're, you know, quite often it's, you know, a brewer and, um, you know, and a handful of other people and they're all, you know, focused on making beer and getting it out there and doing the day-to-day of what they're trying to do. Um, so, you know, making the time, I guess, from a marketing point of view of telling the world what they're up to, whether, you know, whether you can get it in Victoria or Brisbane or or not is um, not beyond the point, but... You know, I think there needs to be a bit more of a focus from uh, from breweries to put a spotlight on themselves. Um, you know, don't wait for sort of you know someone else to come and ask you what you're doing. Like, tell everyone what you're doing. Get excited about it. You, you know, you love it. It's your passion. Um, tell everyone who'll go by, whether that's physically walking past your brew pub or via social media. So I think that maybe that's why um, it seems a little uh, like there's been a a drop and a comeback, I suppose, um, because we're just not. Not talking loudly enough. Pia, speaking of brew pubs, have you had a chance to visit uh, Optus Stadium? Uh, not for the brew pub, which of course we'll talk about in just a minute, uh, opening this Friday. But ha- have you actually been into the new stadium and uh, and checked out the uh, the Gage Roads offerings? Uh, no, I haven't. Which which might make me a bad West Australian, but um, no, I, I haven't checked it out. I hear I hear really good things though. People are pretty happy to be drinking uh, Gage Roads at the stadium. There's a few voices who are. You know, would probably like to see some sort of Brett barrel-aged uh, beer in there, but um, for the most part, it's all been pretty positive. Matt, the uh, Optus Stadium Mega Pub. Well, when we say Mega Pub, we should point out. So it's it's within the concourse. It's not actually within the the Optus Stadium, and it's the um, it's the Bevy Brewing Company, which is Lion, who are so they're providing the um, the brew pub side of things. Um, but it's going to be uh, now. What is it? One hundred and eighty beer taps across six bars. Presumably, a couple of those will be. Double ups, but um, how many is too many? <laughs> I hear Pia laughing in the background, so I might even just uh, let Pia <laughs> launch into that one and uh, I'll, I'll come back later. So I think the capacity of the venue is about 2,000 or something like that. So um, four, I, I was going to see you let um, prof. Oh, 4,000. According oh, to Perth know. now, yeah. 4,000 yeah, right. patrons. Yeah. They will serve a mind-boggling 4,000 meal, so everyone's only going to have one meal, um, but 5,000 <laughs> litres of beer in a single day with a five-metre television in a beer garden. It's one of the biggest pubs in Australia, um, said the source, which is stating the obvious, I would have thought. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, game day, obviously. I mean, look, I think it's great that, that if you're going to bring a heap of people to a, a stadium that you're not locking them into, you know, a single concession and that sort of thing. Um, and I certainly noticed that um, the Dockland Stadium down here in Melbourne, the undercover, st- or the, you know, the... Uh, slidable roof stadium down at Docklands. Um, there's a lot more stuff's popped up around it now. Uh, before it used to be sort of out on its own. Um, the rest of the city sort of grown up around that precinct now down at the Docklands. And there's you, you see people going to all sorts of different 
places, bringing food from from all over the place, and then and then heading into the game, which I think is great. Um, I just wonder whether something that big, you'd be hard pressed. Why would you want to then, if you're sitting and you've got a five meter TV and everything, why would you then want to turn your head to watch the game? I don't know. I think it would just be interesting. Like the, I, I put my hospitality hat on, um, you know, sort of forgetting, you know, speculation onto what the beers are going to be. But um, I mean, obviously, it'd be mostly line Nathan. But just from a just from a functional service sort of point of view, it's um, you know a huge undertaking, and I hope. I hope people will be will be patient. Uh, I guess in the first in the first few weeks, you know, no one's tried to do this in Perth before, so um, you know there there are inevitably going to be teething problems. Um, you know, when we, we opened a small bar that I worked at uh, some years ago, and there were teething problems with a 120 person venue. So if you take that and extrapolate it out to 4,000, um, yeah, I just hope people have a bit of I guess a bit of patience. Um, but I'll be curious to see, yeah, how how something that big uh, operates. Yeah, we'll have to watch this space. We should point out too that um, the spokesman that was quoted said, uh, quote, we're not just a big beer drinking barn. We wanted to make areas where families can come, plenty of room for the kids to muck around at the back. So um, presumably there's going to be, yeah, lots of different areas, which, um, and look, let's see how it goes. So the Bevy Brewing Company um, and uh, good luck to Andy Scade and the boys who um, who are overseeing that project over there. A couple of things uh, that I wanted to, to say, as, as you would expect. Uh, actually, first of all, on the uh, congratulations to our Andy Scade and I love the name Bevy Brewing Company um, because Bevy is obviously a, a beer, slang term for beer, but Bevy is also a, I think, a flock of swans or a group of swans is a bevy of swans. Yeah, yeah. Pays uh, you know, homage to the you know, lion um, swan lag, which, of course, they closed down and moved. But it's a, yeah, just a nice little uh, double double meaning, you know, a positive double meaning there. And the black swan is also, I think, the it is the bird emblem of WA. So there's there's that connection. Exactly. So uh, yeah, um, so that was great. Just on the, but one of the things that I've been uh, sort of looking at this week with the whole pirate life is, you know, the government's uh, conflicting approach to alcohol. And on one hand, you see them attract pirate life, um, and on the other hand, you see them. Uh, do absolutely nothing and effectively oppose the craft breweries and the, the, the craft bars that have been trying to open over the last uh, six months. And at the same time, you've got the liquor licensing with, uh, you know, scanners um, for venues that want to stay open after midnight and it's just blanket. They don't look at the quality of the venue and whether it creates a problem. You just have to have these ridiculous scanners that create a, that inject a mm. real... Um, element like when you walk to a venue and there are all of these signs talking about you have to scan your license and these things it adds a note of aggression and it lowers the tone of a venue that i think increases the likelihood of uh, problems and to have a venue that can host four thousand people is massively concentrating a group of people who are there to drink and you know i note that they do say that they do want to welcome uh families but you know there's plenty of room for the kids to muck around at the back um at the front there are going to be a lot of people drinking and that to me is one of the 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 nubs of the problem around uh you know the the areas that have high problems with drinking uh you have a concentration of venues in a very small area um within a city so you've got concentrations of people who are out to drink and this just sounds like it's going to be exactly the same sort of venue so you've got a football ground where you can't get um full strength beer and 65 meters away you've got a venue where there's going to be 4,000 people before and after the game drinking I, i'm just really surprised that government doesn't see that that is a potential problem um and that all of their other rules are completely you know they're nonsense rules are completely undone when they allow something like this to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's definitely a bit mind-boggling, but it's not unprecedented, I suppose. And we're having this um, issue in WA at the moment. I don't know whether it's something on the east coast as well. We're getting a lot of um, great, well-run, you know, pop-up events and pop-up festivals, and you know, they might run for sort of you know six weekends uh, or eight weekends or whatever the case may be. Um, but you know, then you've got um, licensed venues who are kind of going, well, hang on a second, I've I've had to jump through seven hoops and give up a kidney to get an extended trading permit to you know, exactly. trade past 10 o'clock on a Sunday, um, sort of what's going on here. So you're sort of now starting to see some changes in our uh, in our legislation over here. But yeah, it, it reminds me of that in terms of, well, you've got, you know, this seemed to be something you approve of, but this seems to be um, something you're okay with. So it makes it hard, I think, for everyone to understand 
where the boundaries are. And I think from a customer point of view as well, like from the general public, you know, it's not their responsibility to understand the ins and outs of liquor licensing or ins and outs of government when it comes to booze. So it actually makes it really hard when you're, you know, say a, a venue manager or, or a bar manager explaining to someone, oh, I'm sorry, you can't, you know, I have to take your drink out to the Alfresco area with you because you're not allowed to drink standing up. Um, you know, it, it's hard to explain that to them when there's all these other instances where they can do that. So they don't, you know, they don't understand why it's different in one venue, why it's different to another, um, nor should they be expected to, to understand that either. So it, it does make things a little bit pretty tricky and pretty confusing. That's exactly, you know, it, government doesn't know what it's doing with alcohol and it's all of the messages it's sending are completely contradictory and half the problems that they shove back to small operators are problems that they've created. And you know, there is a, what I regard as a law of unintended consequences at play where you find that small local um, bars tend to be very well run. The owner is often the, the face of it and they're there, so they've got direct control. They know their community. There is a certain um, behaviour and you don't seem to have problems. When you've got a 4,000-person venue... Um, with staff, you don't have a community forming around it. People don't have the same sense of ownership. And also to attract that many people, you have to be more generic. And a generic venue, you know, gets all sorts of different uh, personality types in the area of drinking. And, you know, that seems to me to be the the recipe that creates a lot of the, the, the problems. And, of course, I'm willing to bet that if there are problems at a sporting game it'll be blamed on the beer being consumed at the venue as opposed to the people you know pre-loading um at the you know licensed pub 65 meters down the way yeah definitely and i think i mean there's a there's an argument to be made and i'm not sort of you know i'm not saying something is definitely the case or not but there's an argument to be to be made about whether if you restrict the beer to mid-strength but full-strength beer is 60 metres away, whether you are actually encouraging a behaviour where people go and, as you say, preload on full-strength elsewhere, but they're doing it because they've got, you know, they've only got an hour before they've got to get in and get to their seats and where they can only get mid-strength. So they, you know, go down X number of pints of full-strength and then head off to the game. Now, again, not saying that that is the case or that's what will happen, but it's it's something you've got to, you know, it's a question to be asked for sure. I think uh, an interesting topic you've brought up there is the uh, the question of mid-strength beer. Should we perhaps move along to uh, another issue of mid-strength beer in which uh, Matt Kierkegaard posed the question on social media this week, uh, which of these is a craft beer and which is Great Northern? So descriptor number one, fruity aroma, subtle bitterness, crisp palate and refreshingly dry finish. This beer can be enjoyed at any time. Uh, number two, it's a gentle lager with a super refreshing taste and a slightly bitter finish, the perfect mid-strength. Like, I'm not having a, sla- a, a slap at the, the, the mid-strength beer that I, I quoted from, but you know, when you, you look at some of the passions around craft beer, and when craft beer started, you know, the definition of craft beer was you know, flavour-forward, big, aggressive, hoppy beers, and not your dad's mid-strength uh, beer. And you know, we, we've seen a whole stack of brewers bring out um, mid-strength lagers or Kolsch-style beers or lighter beers, um, acknowledging that people actually like drinking those beers. And, uh, you know, I, I just sort of think it's time that, that we all grew up and stopped seeing craft beer as being something that has to punch you in the mouth with a pineapple. <laughs> but that, you know, also means don't sit there and shit-can beers like, you know, Great Northern. Um, ultimately, we drink beer for the pleasure it brings us and we can get pleasure from, from the drink in a whole lot of uh, different ways. I know me personally, my drinking, you know, you kind of get into craft beer and you discover palas, you discover hops, and it's about getting your hands on the, the biggest, you know, the biggest IBU, the massive hot monster that you can. And then um, I've, uh, like many uh, of my friends, have kind of come back full circle and gone, well, you know what, I actually don't want to drink uh, a triple IPA today and probably not tomorrow, but, you know, something that's got um, some more balance and sociability to it, um, I'm definitely, you know, on board with. So I guess my fridge has changed from, you know, say, uh, you know, five or, or, or seven years ago where it just had a lot of big uh, American uh, imports with pale ales. Now it's got, you know, it's got some pale ales in there. There's, there's lager. There's this much more sessionable um, beers and they're not, they're not better or worse. It's just, you know, just what I'm, I'm in the mood for. But I think we're kind of seeing that arms race of hops come back around now to something that's more 
uh, approachable and not in a in a bad way. I think approachable as a, as a word can cop a bit of a bad rap sometimes. Yeah, I think perhaps as part of the thing is that the industry is perhaps, um, look, it's part of the maturing, uh, I'll use that word, but I think it's a recognition that beer, craft, independent, whatever, is actually part of the greater beer category. It's not opposed to it. It's not in competition to you know, mainstream. It's, it's just part of this bigger thing. And if we want to, um, you know, keep pitching everything at the 5%, and turning our backs on the 95%, um, you know, we're going to go broke quickly. So if we actually turn the other way and go, right, what are the 95% drinking at the moment? What do they want? What, how do we actually get them in? It's, it's you know, perhaps mid-strength was that that bit that's that's missing. Um, Matt, you and I, uh, when the Pacer first came out, the Fortitude Pacer, which is, uh, I'm going to say, 2.8. It is a light beer, yeah, technically a light beer, and then they've got the... Mid-strength is 2.8 to 3.5? 3.8, I think, because, yeah, I think over 3.8, yeah. So 3.5 is a sweet spot for mid-strength, and I think 2.8 mm. is at the higher end of uh, low alcohol. Uh, light. Um, but the good thing about those was it still had the flavour. It still tastes – it didn't taste watery. Um, and I guess, you know, perhaps the um, – and we've spoken plenty of times before about the agility and the nimbleness and the ability for um, craft brewers to sort of, you know, uh, duck and weave, zig and zag um, – attack depending on which way the wind's blowing you don't have to create focus groups you don't have to go through tons of marketing you don't need to go through retooling and then you know checking back with your focus group before you can bring out a new beer you can kind of go let's just throw this out into the market and and just see what the reaction is um which i think is one of our great strengths but uh, as i say i think it's it's good that we're sort of moving moving that way that's one of those funny things that even you know everyone loves to shit can a focus group but ultimately you know uh, a brewery like um, uh, Fortitude launching Pacer um, and Drifter, um, which is their mid-strength, they didn't know. You know, they, they didn't know how that was going to be responded. So when you when you're that small, putting a beer into market is your focus group, and you, you try something and it either sells or it, it it doesn't. And you know, when you're a big multinational brewery, it's very very hard to have that same approach just by nature of the size and the, the, the focus group is a way of trying to capture some of that that market research and you know we, we all love to sneer and you know myself included you know at marketers when it is so apparently marketing driven but at the end of the day you know all beers are marketing driven you know they're, they're about finding a market for the product and uh, you know uh, I, I, I just don't think we can sneer. And it, it's just some of the mindless criticism that beers come from. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm not going to sit down and crack a great northern because that's not something that I really enjoy doing. But I see a lot of people. I'm heading off on another food and wine cruise tomorrow, and there are going to be people, uh, you know, getting great pleasure from Corona. Who, who am I to say that they're wrong or make a value judgment based on that? I'm not going to be drinking it. And Matt, do you reckon a great deal of that too is that they look around and they see other people, so it's 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 kind of their club as well. Look, it, it, it probably is. Um, but you know, Prof, I look at the comments that have been um, posted on the site this week, both in Facebook and the website, uh, about the story that Furphy's doing so well. You know, people just shit canning it as a as a terrible beer, um, and yet I would bet some of those same people you know, seriously thought about getting Young Henry's tattoos. Um, and it was it was a Young Henry beer that was the uh, quote that launched this little thing, you know, that, you know, buy completely into the uh, Young Henry's branding. And, you know, Furphy is a terrific beer. Like, it's a really nicely made, uh, you know, nuanced enough beer, but it's also going to appeal to a very wide audience. And uh, I, I think criticizing it just because of what it is but then giving you know every cool craft uh, brewery a free pass to bring out whatever they want without applying the same uh, criticism is shows your bias and it also shows your ignorance to, to some extent and conversely it also gets away from the fact that the reason we drink beer is for the pleasure it brings us and we can bring a whole lot of political dimensions into you know wanting to support local beer for a whole lot of reasons but if you get pleasure from what I regard as a bad beer. Who am I to say that it's a bad beer? Yeah, and I think we, we get into dangerous territory when we start criticising uh, that person holding that beer. You know, we're not we're not going to grow the industry if, you know, if we all stand here and tell uh, Joe Blow holding a Corona that he's shooting his beer choice and shooting he doesn't know anything. So, you know, there are, there's the, the beer snobbery, I think, is something that needs to go and just never, ever come back. Um, it really bothers me. You know, it's one thing you can you can not like a beer. That's, that's totally fine. You're entitled to that opinion for sure. Um, but, you know, I don't think there's any place or any uh, no one benefits 
if you go around and tell people that they're an average person because they don't drink a beer that, that you like and, you know, that person's not going to come over, uh, so to speak, to craft beer to try, you know, to try a new lager or to try a pale ale because, you know, they had that awful experience with a, you know, quote-unquote craft beer nerd. Um, who told them that they were really average? <laughs> yeah, and, and actually, you uh, it just occurred to me that you had a great tweet um, a week or so ago, pretty much on that issue. Yeah, that was prompted by something on a Facebook group, and um, uh, it was a, a drain pour, um, and they videoed it and uh, and put it up. And um, I just it, it broke my heart a little bit, I guess, because it's kind of it doesn't achieve anything. You know, there's no positive contribution. To that happening, you can certainly get on and post and say that um, you didn't enjoy a beer, or you know you found it weird, or whatever the case may be. But you know there's 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 no need to there's no need to show a visual of you taking someone's work and putting it in a in a bin. But it's a self uh, self appointed authority with which they do it, and I think that was what you're picking up on. And I, I responded with a, a rather lame uh, Brussels sprouts analogy. Um, you know. <laughs> And, and yes, I, 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 there was a surprising amount of uh, mentions of Brussels sprouts in that. But uh, you know, the, the example I was trying to highlight was that you know, if somebody cooks you a dish based on Brussels sprouts and you hate Brussels sprouts, it can be the best Brussels sprout dish in the world, and you're not going to like it. And it doesn't mean that they failed cooking it. Um, what was the point I was trying to make? And uh, I, I think sometimes these people dismiss the beer without actually being a you know, because it's a beer that they don't like. Um, and, and that's inherent in that, that whole drain pour um, analogy. You know, when people drain pour, it's condemning it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, look, silver lining, if they're getting this, you know, if people are getting this invested and this, um, you know, interested, you know, that, that's, definitely, that's definitely a positive, um, I guess, you know, my, because I, I did comment on the thread, um, not in a, you know, not in an aggressive way, or at least that, that wasn't my intention, but my intention was just to say, hey, you know, just remember there is, you know, a, a couple of humans behind behind that beer. Uh, maybe just you know keep that in mind the next time you you know you want to post a video like that. There are people behind it who who make it, put time and effort into it, that sort of thing. So um, you know, hopefully for the most part, I think people take that enthusiasm and passion and energy um, and do positive things with it. Um, we just um, yeah need to I think just be mindful that yeah there are there are good humans behind all of these beers, whether they're hyper-local or whether they're, they're lying Nathan. One beer that has been poured plenty and not down the drain is um, Furphy, which announced a, a 300% increase in sales ahead of uh, plans to take it national. Um, Pia, as a West Australian, and given that this is Little Creatures' welcome to Geelong kind of beer, originally was just for the, the local Geelong area, um, and it's, look, uh, labelled as a refreshing ale. It's a beautiful, uh, you know, it's a Kolsch style in that they fermented it at sort of lager temperatures. Um, and it just seems to have, whether it's the big V on the front, whether it's uh, the shape of the bottle, the colours, whatever it is, it just seems to have uh, been one of those touchstone beers that everyone sort of got in on and, and thought, yep, yeah, I can drink this and, and are really making it their own. It must be a little bit bittersweet knowing that it's sort of a, it's, it's a little creature's born beer, but not out of Frio. No, look, it's um, you know, I haven't had it because yeah, because it's been uh, limited to the east coast. And I, but I kind of, I kind of liked that. I guess you know, you had this this story of where this beer has come from, and then over here in WA, we have um, Elsie, uh, which was I, I guess the the Furfy sort of equivalent in that it's made in in Frio, and it's it's Little Creatures beer just for us. And the um, I love the Elsie story, although I'm not sure if it gets told a lot because like obviously LC being the initials, they named beer Elsie as an E L S I E. Uh, named after the the Utes that they used to use back in you know 2001 to deliver their kegs around, they called it Elsie. So it's got this really lovely story, this lovely meaning to it, and I kind of liked that it was or that is it is for WA. Um, so I liked all those elements in in the idea of Furphy. So if they kind of take it national, it feels like it might lose a bit of that um, that sense of where it's come from. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, Matt. What do you think? What's the secret to to Furphy? I think it's you know one of those things that's a, a bit of a perfect storm. Um, it is a really nice beer. We've seen a lot of craft brewers bring out uh, the the Kölsch style, that light, um, you know, European, Germanish, um, you know, light ale that is a nice step up from complexity from mainstream lagers. But it's still you know you can still see the shore from from where your boat sits. It had a really nice brand. You know, Furphy is a very iconic Australian name um, that, you know, 
plays into, you know, it feels old without any sort of pretense um, to being an old brand. Um, and I think a lot of people instinctively react badly to, um, you know, inauthentic branding, whereas this is uh, authentic and it uh, traces back to Victoria. The look of it, you know, it's just one of those things that has been, you know, every now and then marketers uh, and brewers, um, you know, work in partnership together and really get it right. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that because, it hasn't been a beer that has been um, heavily pushed. In fact, I wanted to write a story about it on Brews News, I think, three years ago when it launched. And, you know, there was no interest from the business side of things to uh, put out media releases, to, to advertise it, because they saw it as being something that they wanted to grow organically um, and have traction. And it's a beer that has allowed them to do that. Um, so, you know, a lot of the things that big brewers get criticised of haven't hasn't really been true um in, in this case it's a beer that has just really won hearts and palates and uh you can't hate that because people obviously like it it's got line on the label you can't say that you're being fooled it may be small print but if it matters to you you'll you'll see it and you'll know it's just one of those beers that um everything you know the the cosmic tumblers have clicked into place for the interesting thing for me is uh the marketers have obviously got onto the uh the neck tag because um, even the brewers um, were unaware of this, but on the neck tag of, of Furphy, it says brewed down at the old mystery mill, the iconic mystery mill um, in Geelong. So it's it's not saying, you know, the Little Creatures Brewery, the old woolen mills. It's yeah, they, they referred to it as the mystery mill, which I think was just an interesting, uh, you know, just a kind of arm's length from, from the big house. Yeah, and it, it's one of those things that un- unless people won't be entirely happy until – Brewers come out and say, this beer was brewed at this address by this company, bigger than the label. Um, and there is always going to be criticism. But, you know, I, I take the view that if the information is provided, if it matters to people, they will find it on, on the bottle. And if, if it's on the bottle and they see brewed by Lion at you know Geelong and other places, people know what it is, what, what that means these days. And I think they, they have Lion on the bottle and they talk about the Mystery Mill. So... It's it's not completely transparent, but it's not hiding anything either. And you know, I, I was just reading this morning when I dug out the uh, when I went looking for the quote about Great Northern uh, this morning. Prof, I actually jumped on the, uh, the the website to find out a little bit more about the um, how they describe Great Northern, just to sort of see if there was something similar. Um, and I'll just very quickly call it up because hey, while you're doing that, can we can we put our listeners out of their misery? Um, which which of the um, those descriptors was the craft beer and which was Great Northern? Fruity aroma, subtle bitterness, crisp palate, refreshing dry finish. This beer can be enjoyed at any time is? That was Great Northern. There you go. And so the, the craft uh, one was it's a gentle lager with a super refreshing taste and a slightly bitter finish, the perfect mid-strength. Mm. But I will say, like, in terms of, you know, I, I'm going to ask a few questions about this one because I was on the Great Northern website and when you sort of go to the tab that says about our, our beer, um, all it says is the Great Northern Brewery was established in Cairns in 1927 to brew beer specifically to suit the conditions up here. And I'm sort of thinking, well, hold on. You know, on one hand, they don't come out and say it is based in Cairns, but the only place that they mention to form your reference point is Cairns, um, and then they say up here. And as we've discussed, it's brewed in Yatla, which is about 18 kilometres closer to Melbourne than it is to Cairns. Yeah, exactly. I, I actually worry that they're getting a little bit close to the Byron Bay situation that CUB had uh, four or five years ago by saying that is it's designed to give an impression about where the beer is brewed. And nowhere on the website does it say anything uh, about... It, it doesn't even... It says 200... Uh, copyright 2015, Great Northern Brewing Company. On the bottles, it does say things like, um, you know, Great Northern Brewing Company, Yattler. But... Everything about the website is designed to obfuscate and hint that it's uh, from up here, wherever that up here is. So it's yeah. So I, I just think that they're verging on a little bit. But then again, up here could be in your memories, Matt. It could be you know just the <laughs> holding a cold beer close to your bosom. It could be. But then yesterday, uh, I had a journo from some street publication uh, send me a video that they'd done for Young Henry's. And so I watched the little video and it was uh, a minute and a half long. And it's interviews with Oscar from Young Henry's. And the text, you know, they're sort of talking about their little inner west brew bar, that it's a funky place to have beer. And then it comes up, um, it's not Oscar saying this, but the, uh, the, 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 text, the text over the footage is, all their beers are handcrafted in-house and are available in tinnies, long necks and refillable two-litre growlers. 
And I thought that's a, that's an odd thing to say when something like fifty to sixty percent of their volume comes out of uh, the Asahi Brewery in Laverton. And again, like no criticism there. Mountain Goat did the same, um, and you know th- there was absolutely no criticism for the beer. But when you're making those choices, your story needs to change because all of their beers aren't any handcrafted in-house anymore. And also, the, it, it came up with a uh, thing a little bit later on saying that you know all of our beer, our beers are 100% solar powered. That might be true if you're drinking a beer that's brewed in the uh, Newtown Brewery, but this is a you know a, a Facebook video that is being seen nationwide, and a substantial portion of their beers these days are coming from a brewery that isn't 100% solar powered. It's very hard um, to criticise CUB for their nuanced marketing around Great Northern when you know, either directly or indirectly young Henrys are putting out information that is actually wrong um, and you know demonstrably so. The, the waters are becoming blurrier and blurrier as, as craft beer grows a little bit bigger um, and you know once upon a time it was very easy to call out one group and not the others and that's getting harder and harder um, as, uh, you know, as this industry grows up. Brews News is made possible by Brewpack, Australia's number one craft contract brewer. With over 100 craft beers and ciders on the roster and counting, Brewpack specialises in offering growing craft breweries a home for their packaged and kegged beer, no matter how crafty. Serious about handmade beers, and with an open-door policy, Brewpack's brewers love having passionate, hands-on partners in the brewery. Thinking about craft contract brewing? Think Brewpack. And uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Before we uh, wrap up this uh, episode of Radio Brews News with our special guest, Pierre Poynton, we uh, probably should look at the last uh, story that we uh, teased our listeners with. Uh, the German Olympians, Matt, drinking a lot of non-alcoholic beer. Is that the secret to winning a lot of gold medals? Matt, I've been hearing for the best part of a decade um that no alcohol beer is the next big thing and you know i I still haven't seen anybody drink it you know it just sounds to me like it's more marketing but apparently in germany it is a like a definite product segment and a lot of guys from marketing departments of big breweries um in australia and elsewhere have told me that you know we're on we're we're looking out for this uh, next big trend which is going to be no alcohol beer but I just think that this is a you know, a German anomaly and they can beat the drum all they want, but we're not going to see a sudden outbreak of um, alcohol-free beer. Uh, I agree. Uh, good to see, though, like just in the, if we link to the um, to the article, um, I noticed the, you know, it was good to see them sort of promoting diversity in the in the very first line. Uh, when Simon Schemp, a biathlete on the German <laughs> Olympic team, uh, and he's drinking... Low alcohol, non, non-alcoholic beer. Good on him. There's a non-alcoholic beer judge. being released in Queensland, isn't it? Sober? Uh, that's, sorry, there is. It's one I've been wanting to follow up. It's an Indigenous crowdfunding project um, where they were yeah. creating a no-alcohol beer. Thanks for, for bringing that up, Pia. Um, yeah, I, look, I, I don't know too much about it. I think it's a great idea. Um, but again, I don't know. I love the flavour of beer. I love talking about the flavour of beer. But I would be completely lying if I didn't say it was the mildly, uh, you know, mood-altering effect of alcohol that isn't part of the attraction of beer. And I do wonder if, you know, beer would have survived for the 10,000 years of civilization if it wasn't for that. You know, drink responsibly, drink less. But that feeling, the firing of your neurons and your um, nerve end, you know, your nerve endings uh, as that first beer hits your system is a big part of the attraction for it. And I, I don't, And I really don't know that, we will see uh, a sudden outbreak of alcohol-free beer. Although I did like um, from this from this article, there was a double-blind study, <laughs> which is a hard thing to do for an alcohol-free beer, I would have thought. Um, but there was a double-blind <laughs> study in which uh, runners in the 2009 Munich Marathon uh, were given non-alcoholic beer every day for three weeks before and two weeks after the race. These runners suffered significantly less inflammation and fewer upper respiratory infections after the race than runners who were given a placebo. It has been sold as an isotonic sports drink, as a you know, beneficial isotonic sports drink. So, you know, m- maybe there are some benefits uh, outside of just the flavour and the alcohol. 
Yeah, well, Erdinger, it says in the in the piece, calls its non-alcoholic wheat beer, quote, the isotonic thirst quencher for athletes and advertises it with the motto, 100% performance, 100% regeneration. There you go. And Heineken's uh, 0.0. Uh, has the line, there is no limit to what the human body can achieve. Yeah, at the end of the day, non-alcoholic beer, it's it's like dancing with your sister, isn't it, really? Like, you go through the motions, but you can't grab her ass or anything. Okay. Uh, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> Pete Mitchum at beerblokes.com.au. Bring it, bitches. Um, I do have a couple of mates who gave up drinking but like beer, so they're always asking me for recommendations for a, a good uh, non-alcoholic beer. And have any of them uh, found one that they like, Prof? Uh, the Weinstefan, I must admit, the, the Weinstefan tradition alcohol-free beer, uh, I thought was pretty good. And that's no criticism of the beers themselves, um, because they, do, you know, some of the beers are really good approximates for um, main, you know, for, for regular beers. And I had a meeting with the Oktoberfest guys the other morning, and uh, they had an alcohol-free beer with white sausage. It was a beautiful beer, and and, and I drank it, and it was, uh, you know, a really nice experience. But nothing about the experience made me think, gee, I can't wait until the next time I sit down and have an alcohol-free beer because it's not yeah. just yeah. the flavour. It's not an excess of alcohol that I'm after. But for me, part of the you know, part of the reason I love beer is that the, the, the relaxation. Buzz. Yeah, it's well, just, that that it's the vibe. Buzz. It is. Yeah, no, that's, that's that's it. It's just the vibe. I mean, it leads down a different topic though of like you know of you know abstaining from booze or, or just saying no to a no to a drink as well. As a uh, as a woman in the beer scene, when you say you're not having a drink, the first question someone asks you is, "Are you pregnant?" Which is an insane thing, and everyone needs to stop doing it. But um, you know, it's, yeah, non-alcoholic beer, I think, is a um, is is valid. Um, but there's it's a, a great whole prop. culture around not having mm. a drink uh, that needs to be uh, probably looked at as well. But see, that's a, a, an added functional benefit. You know, it lets you camouflage that you're not drinking so you don't have to answer all of those awkward questions. But to me, people who want to drink no alcohol, you know, alcohol-free beer um, is a little bit like vegans who want to have um, cheese substitute. I sort of think, well, if you want the flavour of cheese and you want the texture of cheese, you know, eat cheese. Otherwise, just eat the thing that the cheese substitute is made from without somebody going to the chemical process of turning it into a cheese-like product but i'm going to i'm going to get yeah. it i'm going to get emails for that one i <laughs> know yeah, you know there's no good to me made of like well if there wasn't a if there wasn't a negative or a prying culture around oh no thanks i'm not i'm not drinking then maybe there wouldn't be a need for non-alcoholic beer you know for people to try and camouflage you know what they're doing if they you know felt comfortable going oh no mate i'm you know, I'm good, I'm sitting out this round or I'm not having a drink today, I'm having an alcohol-free day. Because um, all of those comments are followed by why, what's wrong, are you okay? Or, you know, are you sick or <laughs> something like that. So maybe if the culture changed around it, there wouldn't be so much of a need for it, I suppose. And I, I don't know if, if you find it, Pia, but as somebody who you know, writes about beer and works in beer, you know, I, I actually dream for nine o'clock in the morning coffee meetings because everyone wants to, you know, any... Uh, meeting request is always you know do you want to catch up for a beer it's never let's have let's have coffee at nine o'clock on monday morning and it's it's really hard to to limit your alcohol consumption when you work in this industry yeah definitely yeah absolutely yeah absolutely guys we do need to wrap up let our uh, listeners get back to their work and such uh, perhaps they might want to have a coffee meeting or uh they might want to go for a beer after this uh nothing in the mailbag matt <laughs> uh, nothing this week but i'm almost willing to bet that there will be next week <laughs> All right. Uh, if we can just uh, arrange with the postie to get the larger of his sacks ready for um, for next week. Don't forget that if you do email us, there, there is a merch available. There is a, a bottle opener to uh, for all of your can opening needs. Even the pricks who have a crack at us. That's yeah. Good. Oh, no, yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. So I'd... slag away. Slag away. You'll still we'll still be nice to you. We'll still you know. It might even have Matt's return address on it. So if you if you've got some spare dog dirt <laughs> or rocks, you know, on behalf of Matt, I personally welcome our new brew dog overlords uh, when they do come and conquer us um, in uh, uh, a little while's time. Are you going to be there, Matt, on on opening day? I think so. I'm, I'm actually hoping. Uh, so I'm going to hijack this again. Breaking news that sort of came in while we've been talking is uh, my newsfeed has suddenly been filled with uh, Brewdog to open its first UK beer hotel. Yeah, in Scotland. But it's been called the Dog House. As soon as we get off air, I'm going to go dig out the uh, official announcement because every one of the articles says the ho- some form of the hotel known as the Dog House preempting the location guests will find themselves in when things get messy is part of a major expansion of the uh, Scottish Breweries headquarters. 
So either great minds think alike with, it's called the doghouse because you're going to end up in the doghouse when you get shit-faced at this hotel, or that's come from the official media release. And one of the things I was criticised for over my coverage last week was that, that I introduced BrewDog to people who didn't know who BrewDog was by talking about Sink the Bismarck and Tactical Nuclear Penguin and Nanny State and uh, those sorts of beers. So I'm just wondering whether or not promoting excessive uh, consumption by calling it the doghouse was a BrewDog idea or people have just attributed that to them and whether there is going to be a rousing source of emails to The Guardian, uh, The uh, Times and every other... The Daily Mail. There, the Daily Mail and everyone else had, uh, described it that way. Excellent. The old stereotype of men going out and drinking beer and you know on their own with their mates and then getting drunk and not being like 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 are we really are we tired with aren't we done with this now? <laughs> it, it it is a little bit Andy Cap, isn't it? Do you, you do know who Andy yeah, Cap is, don't you? I, I don't, I don't. But it, it, it's just it's just lazy. I, I I'm not a I'm not a fan. Okay, but uh, just so you know, uh, look for Andy Cap because Andy Cap was an English cartoon okay. character who used to wear a flat cap and used to go out and get drunk. Um, and yes, I know. Yeah, come home and his wife was always there with the rolling pin and, and the curlers. And they would get into it and you know, it was basically about um, alcohol-fueled violence and wife-beating. Um, and when I was a boy, that was that's what passed for humour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I remember it now because you couldn't see his eyes do either. Like the hat was like way over his face. That's exactly right. He had this sort of... Uh, or his eyes were crosses when he came <laughs> home. And sort of slits when he went out. Yeah. And it must have been, whoever, whoever drew it must have been, I reckon, either the luckiest or the laziest cartoonist ever because I reckon in every single one there was the iconic picture of him uh, asleep backwards on the couch. Yeah. In his socks. <laughs> in his socks. And that was, uh, no, I'll just put that one back in again. <laughs> like it, it fitted into every single uh, – that, that panel was in every single uh, edition. And that was acceptable less than a generation ago. That ran in mainstream newspapers. Yeah. Well, look, we do thank all of our sponsors for making Radio Brews News possible, and we particularly uh, reserve special thanks today for our special guest, Pia Poynton. Thanks very much, Pia, for joining us. No, no, thanks for inviting me on. It was good fun. Hopefully we can uh, – actually, we should try and do some. Are you heading over for Good Beer Week, Pia? I will. I'll be over for Good Beer Week and the Craft Brewers Conference in Sydney too. We should try and get our uh, special guests all in a room together, Prof, sometime during Good Beer Week. Yeah. yeah, that sounds great. Love to have a beer with you guys in Melbourne. That sounds great. Uh, oh, Prof has actually sent a message saying, take us out, Matt. So uh, in the absence of Prof, <laughs> whose uh, internet has failed him, thank you, NBN. Uh, Pierre, thank you very much for joining us uh, th- this week and uh, giving us a WA beer update. We do look forward to catching up with you in Melbourne. And uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for the cards and letters, positive and otherwise. Uh, we do genuinely value your feedback, attributed or uh, anonymous. Um, and uh, we look forward to joining you again for another edition next week. <laughs>